We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. So check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Brace the tackle, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and if you're joining us for the first time, the College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting to in-season college and NFL breakdowns to NFL draft coverage, all the way to discussions as to who should be in the pro football Hall of Fame. We always talk about some fantasy football because this is a Rotoviz Radio podcast, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. And if you feel like there's been something missing in your life in the past week or so, something like that, uh, and you're a football fan, it's probably because this time of year, this is right when we start talking about and freaking out about uh, the NFL Combine. We normally it was supposed to actually be this 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 last week. The NFL Combine, the, the underwear Olympics, people running way faster than we thought, jumping way higher than we thought, and vice versa. And so we we normally have all this hype about all these players that we just realized. Uh, can you know leap 40 50 feet through the ceiling but um, if you're missing that we're here to talk about the upcoming pro days for some of the 2021 NFL draft rookies and talk about what you know what it really means if they test in a certain way for wide receivers for running backs for tight ends for quarterbacks 
What do these numbers really mean? Because this year, more than ever, we're probably going to see some outlandish numbers out of these pro days because we don't have a more standardized combine. And if you have looked at the numbers over the years, pro day times are a little bit better and pro day measurements are a little bit better in many cases than what players can do at the NFL combine. So what do we do with that? How do we build that into our prospect analysis process? And how do we really adjust or if we, or, or should we even adjust when looking at these pro day times we're going to see? I mean, we've already seen a couple of players and put up some numbers that were a little bit surprising, uh, but uh, we'll talk about those guys and and some upcoming names uh, that can definitely improve their NFL draft stock in the coming weeks since these pro days are really kicking off uh, just really a week from now or less in in many cases. So to help me dive into this topic, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, uh, Peter Howard. Uh, He's at PA Howdy on Twitter. Uh, He does uh, everything when it comes to prospect analysis and and he builds this awesome database. Uh, You can definitely uh, check that out. I'll let him tell you more about that. But Peter, uh, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. And enjoying life being discount Travis May out here in these Twitter streets. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, like, you were just talking like a regular human person and we were just jiving. And then you turned on the microphone and that sh- stuff got real up in here. Like, the <laughs> professional voice came on. You're sounding all radio friendly. Like, it was. Yeah, man. It was. Uh, pretty amazing to watch but yeah uh, thanks for asking me on and just so anyone who listens to me which you really shouldn't but um knows hey, what are you talking? They if Travis should. is asking me to talk about combine and pro days it's because he doesn't care about it <laughs> because you don't ask me about combine numbers oh, man. if you want positive information so just no. throwing that out there but yeah, thanks, Travis. Dude, I, I'm I'm always glad to just talk to you about uh, anything when it comes to numbers and just uh, give you a hard time about what they really mean <laughs> uh, and what they don't mean. Uh, we we get into some fun disagreements, uh, and and it's it, it gets to a point where I don't, I'm not even sure if either of us are serious about our stance. But you know, it, it's a good time. So. Uh, just love breaking down prospects I have, uh, with you. I haven't been certain if we're joking or, you know, actually having a conversation for years now. Like, yeah. I'm not actually certain what we've said <laughs> to each other. It's, you know, could yeah. be dry humor, could be yeah. an actual opinion. Not sure. Well, hey, I think it's, that's the best. I think that's how we know. But it's uh, been very fun. That's how we really know we're friends. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, for those of you who've been paying attention to this podcast for quite some time, Peter was actually one of my first guests, and, and we talked about some meaningful metrics in terms of production metrics uh, as we build wide receiver profiles and running backs, and what really means something, and trying to predict these players' NFL futures. And so, kind of as an extension of that, I wanted to have you on to talk about. Uh, what you do with all, with all this physical information when it comes to the combine, when it comes to pro days, and how you build that into your process. But first and foremost, I want people to know where they can find your content. They can go to what? Patreon.com slash PA Howard, right? Yeah, that's my actual name. I don't tell a lot of people. But I just got <laughs> tired writing it on the Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah. Put a Y on the end. But yeah, um, backslash PA Howard. Uh, any written content goes either there or to Dynasty League Football, which is, you know, yeah. You know, some of us don't abandon ship, Travis. So some of us are still <laughs> over here, the home base. Yeah. At DLF. Yeah. Um, good, good people over there. And yeah, YouTube, I guess. We're, we're pretty much, isn't everyone on YouTube, Twitter, just all the, like, we're Something all like we're that. all everywhere. Yeah, get it? That, that's about right. But yeah, you do good work. So I always like to just promote that. <laughs> but but when when you get to the NFL Combine, when you just let's just dive right in, because when you get to a player's profile, I mean, you you kind of have a, a pretty good idea of how you 
think of a player far more than you know what somebody's 40 time can tell you and obviously I think a lot of people understand that but we still we still tend to overreact so what kind of new information this time of year are you looking for does that really shape your process in terms of what you think of a, of a prospect we're talking about Tamari on Terry here or um <laughs> let me see uh no thank you for coming to the road of his podcast <laughs> like that's really the summation like nah I'm good it's awkward. It depends what type of analysis you're applying. And the combine, I always think, can be positive, but I'm never going to downgrade a player because of it. Sure. That- I, I guess that's my overall view. Like, it can be positive or I don't care. But, um, <laughs> sorry. No, it's all good. I mean, like, if, if somebody it's, just completely uh- whiffs on a threshold that you typically like to see, you know, like if a running back, you know, runs below a four six five, or or even a wide receiver, runs much below 4.6. I mean, like, does that change much for you? It's like a vestigial limb at this point. Like, I've become so lazy about combine numbers. I don't even have thresholds I like people to cross anymore. I'm like, eh, let's see how hype Twitter is about it. Because No, look, there are <laughs> thresholds at work. And if you want to talk about decision tree analysis and that kind of process, yes. I mean, it's positive, especially for running backs and tight ends. There is definitely value there in how big and tall and fast a player is. At least they have to operate within a certain range if you want any kind of hit rate. But ultimately, what I was trying to describe before and just could not find my words. Use your words, Pete. <laughs> um, I think the best description of what the combine or those kind of stats are is telling you what they use to do what they did in college. And so, mm-hmm. like Rashad Bateman, if he runs a 4-6 or a 4-3, I don't care because whatever he was running he used that speed to be really good and i think that's what's more important to me were they really good or really bad now there are players who don't play enough so frankly like how can i possibly say they're good or bad and it probably becomes more relevant there jalen waddle a lot of people love him this year the fairest thing i can say is he didn't play enough for me to have a clue and so the combine might pay it's more relevant there i at least want to know there's some positive there outside you know the 17 different opinions i can get from those you know nerdy tape grinders because they're all different apparently <laughs> they, they tape are. shows you different things every time yeah and uh <laughs> just memeing on tape grinders on road of this no. fun um, <laughs> no but i, I think but yeah well, that's, that's, that's like 10 minutes of talking i should no no that's okay. all good because jalen waddle is it's that's a great point because everyone when we watch jalen waddle we go oh that guy is definitely fast I, I, at least he looks like he's super fast um but the thing is what you mentioned and, and a lot of us that love to kind of project and, and act like we can predict the future with these prospects we like to see a player that produces more that, that accounts for more of uh, their offense for you know more than like a four or five game stretch in their third season you know and so like i understand like when you're looking for another box to be checked like it would help actually if he actually showed up to his pro day and had some elite level speed would that would that kind of cement your okay level of of, of saying you know what he, okay he's got some draft capital he he has some questions with this production profile but hey his pro day, his pro day time is a four three five so I, I'm I'm gonna believe the tape grinders now I would say that I will draft an athletic freak in the third and fourth round just based on that because there's always upside to being athletic i get it and third and fourth round picks suffer so much that's more where i highly value that's how you capture a tyree kill he's not being highly drafted but and he didn't play a lot 
but you got to believe some level of athleticism might lead to upside. And for a cheap price, like that's fine. That's a perfectly good thing to bet on. It's when it gets more expensive, I want to see the production and care less about the combine. But I do believe, believe it or not, I know I'm a rarity in the nerdy community, but I believe <laughs> take runners. I think they're seeing what they're seeing. And I think there's a lot of value there. I just don't think I know how valuable it is. I don't know how to compare it to past prospects because it's not there to compare. You know what I mean? Tape grinders have a background knowledge of what they've seen in their heads and it's nowhere else. And so it's hard for me as an outsider to really know how to compare that. What I would say is it's not, I, I care more about what, the tape grinders say than what the combine says when it comes down to a player who didn't yeah. play a lot and you know i was just listening to zach reed and j mike check on the dynasty dummy show one of my favorites and they had different opinions but they broke down what they were seeing and the description of how he plays i think that as like a guy who doesn't watch football knows nothing about how to play it that's mostly a joke but there you go and um, <laughs> that's the most valuable thing to me because it describes two people who are very good with good eyes seeing what they the player does and even though they differ it helps me understand how he might fit in the nfl the combine times again i i would rather fade that over a person whose opinion i values actual description of how he's playing on the field so sure. yeah i'm just full-on fade the combine i guess <laughs> yeah and i think that's that's just a good reminder really because this time of year i mean there's gonna be some times that are bonkers and this year more than ever uh, that's probably going to be the case because across the board, nobody has a combine, an official standardized measurement of their performance. They, you know, the NFL has talked about how they're going to try to standardize it. I don't know how that's going to be really possible at all these different locations uh, and on, under different circumstances uh, in different facilities and different people working these all over the country. So it's going to be weird. Uh, and we've already seen it like Rashad Bateman. You mentioned him already. He already apparently ran a sub four four forty. And so that kind of, I mean, I don't, I don't think that he's really that fast when he plays. And I think a lot of the people who have spent a lot of time logging and charting his snaps and have really been watching him closely for years would agree. He probably doesn't play that fast, but we just didn't want to see him pull a Tyler Johnson and just be like, nah, I'm really actually too slow to really clock a good time uh, at, at uh, the pro day even. So I won't even, I won't even do that, you know? So, so at least he actually logs something, you know? Yeah, back, back off Tyler Johnson. He's Super Bowl <laughs> champion Tyler Johnson does not need shade from Travis May right now, okay? Yeah, you know, and it's Super, funny. like Super Bowl ring. Yes, and, and, and I won't give I you any Trump. crap because I like Tyler Johnson too, a, a former teammate of Rashad Bateman at Minnesota. And a lot of us that like our production metrics and like our early breakout ages, we liked Tyler, Tyler Johnson for a long time. He kind of had a weird senior bowl slash non-senior bowl slash non-combine season. Uh, and he was drafted he later. Did not, you know, yeah, he did not do well with the process. Right, the whole <laughs> process, the draft process, he just screwed all. Yeah, if, up, if you want to take notes but. on how not to do the pre-draft process, he would be a great prospect to look at because he just it, it fell apart. And so maybe he does develop into something if uh, you know Chris Godwin moves on. Uh, I still believe that he could, but yeah, he's definitely one that de disappointed in terms of uh, by the metrics because he was incredibly productive to start his college career. He checked a whole lot of boxes that we, that we like to see. And then Rashad Bateman comes along and does the same thing. And because he has the same helmet and he has the same jersey, there's a bit of apprehension <laughs> now, right? Like 
just even though it's completely irrational to think, oh, because he's also a Minnesota wide receiver, he's going to flail about and fail in this draft season. Also, it still happens. But so it was good to see that he had a sub 4 440. But for me, that doesn't move the needle at all. He was already in the in my top five wide receivers for this class easily. Is that still the case for you as well? Yeah, for me, it's top two. But I will say, oh. if you want to add some rationality to it, um, I've, I've really been trying to dig more into conference. Yeah context this off season um and something i noticed i don't know how i ended up doing it i'm I, I, most things i do by I, by accident i stumble into them but i div- i have divisions divi- divided by or conferences divided by division i guess so like there's like the big 10 the sec west and the big 10 east mm-hmm. and and something that came up just because i happened to have them listed that way was no one's ever drafted no nfl team since 2000 at least has spent anything more than a fifth round pick from the specific division of the conference he's coming from. Like the best was Kenny Bell a couple of years ago. Now yeah. that probably means nothing, but I do think we know the NFL has biases from Alabama to the SEC West. Oh, absolutely like, they do. That's where they're looking. That's where they believe the best players come from, despite how often the best players don't come from that. So there is some concern. Like they, like there's been no draft capital spent here ever. So that's a little rational, if you know what I mean. But yeah, yeah. as for terms of what... That's my concern with Bateman. Outside of that, literally untouchable. <laughs> He's yeah. like he did, and this is the way combine stats kind of translate in my head when I hear people talking about him because there's rational, relevant, important information to do with thresholds and decision tree analysis that I've read about on Rotoviz, no less. <laughs> like the Rotoviz. But it feels like we've put in all this work and we found this thing, right? Like most good NFL players for fantasy have something in common and we search for ages for it and it's hard to do and we spend hours working on it and we find Rashad Bateman. It's like he has one of the few things the large majority of NFL players actually have in common and it's not 40 times because they don't share it in common. It's not BMI because they don't share it in common. It's not even hand size, hand size Twitter, get out of here. <laughs> it's production and it's production above what most players do in college and like Rashad Bateman's got that and everyone's like, cool. But then he runs a fast 40 and the eggplant emojis go up. Like, that's all we had to do. Just wait for the 40 time. Like, come do. on, guys. That's how yeah. the combine feels. But, and speak to that again, because I think, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners are already familiar with all of, all of the road of his uh, production metrics. I mean, even, but I think some aren't, you know, I mean, like I, I, in my adjusted production index that kind of looks at peak production, he's a 90th percentile plus prospect. Like he checks every single box you want to see across the board. But for you, what are the most meaningful metrics that you like, you look at that a lot of players have in common? I like looking at Travis May's adjusted production. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I hate it. I don't like it at all. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of a Tate grinder equivalent of a fake nerd i just like looking at the way the career progressed and pairing it to past players across several different metrics i like looking at dominator i'm not saying it's that relevant or that important but i do like knowing that a player was able to co-op some synonym for a large role on a team and so i compare that to what players have done on that team in the past and recently and good players from that team and same for the conference and so essentially i do i look at everything I can. But if I was going to say one thing, what I like to do is compare current prospects to past players that have been successful in the NFL by age. So what did sure. what's the average of good players did at age 18 and 19 and 20, and how do they compare across their college career um, that way? And you can make like 
like little nerdy graphs when you do it that way. Little average, nice little linear trend line as if it exists. And look whether they're over it and under it, essentially. Sure. So I guess when it comes to marrying that with some of these pro days that are going to be coming up, I mean, we already saw, saw Rashad Bateman. What happens when somebody that kind of lived a little bit below the line that's not named Jalen Waddle that, that maybe isn't an obvious, like an early, obvious early round draft pick, and all of a sudden they wow, let's say March 18th comes along, and that is Auburn's Pro Day. And Anthony Schwartz, who is seriously Olympic-level sprinter fast, uh, you know, runs a sub-4-2 40-yard dash at his Pro Day. Would that be a moment where a light bulb comes on and you make an exception and you say, you know what, that's different. That That changes my mind, even though I understand that you know, Anthony Schwartz really peaked, even if you adjust like per game, like just this past year, it may be 28%. So you didn't really see a full breakout season in terms of receiving yard market share and overall dominator rating. But because of his extreme elite athleticism, would that change things for you? No, um, um, <laughs> there has to be a reason they underproduced. Sure. And it's not because we don't have a few several players that would Genuinely, genuinely underproductive, despite playing decent amounts in college, that went on to succeed. Two of them are literally from the same team in Ohio. So, like, I just want to blame Ohio for that. <laughs> but most of the others were either playing quarterback or running back, or, or they didn't play because they have off-field concerns and still do, frankly. And so, like, a 40-time isn't enough for me, but there is a value argument. If you can trade back and get a first-round wide receiver who keeps falling to the end of the first round, so you're adding value onto the back of your roster in terms of dynasty, then, yeah, I'm not going to ignore draft capital because despite all my whining, like, draft capital matters, man. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just, it smooths out most it everything. It matters. <laughs> the single most important thing, most predictive, got all the fancy R-squared nerd score type things going for it. <laughs> so, like, if I can trade back far enough, I'll take Henry Ruggs. I think he's going to be a good NFL player. I just don't think he's the type of player that turns into a good fantasy player. Right. And, but, sure, if I can get value and a first-round wide receiver, sure. But outside of that, I need pretty good reasons to suspect his numbers are lying, and there's relatively few of them that I'll actually accept. He, they either played in Ohio or they were actually a quarterback. That's basically the <laughs> list. Um, okay. But but if we're again going back to that Tyreek Hill, if we're talking about a third, fourth round player, hopefully in good leagues, all the other players that were productive are gone. So yeah, sure, bet on athleticism paying off. And that's what where I struggle because uh, in my leagues, there's always a, a few team managers in fantasy leagues that just overreact to this information every single year. And even though I already like Anthony Schwartz and I already understand that he's probably going to run a four-two flat, if not better, because he is an Olympic sprinter. I, there's there are at least three or four people in all my leagues that double count and uh, freak out, right, right. and then they reach by a full ra- full round, and I just miss out on on some of my favorite players. Do you find yourself like ever struggling with that? Just like because I didn't overreact enough, like my league mates, that I'm I'm actually gonna miss out on these guys. Yeah. All the time. And constantly when you're asked to form firm opinions, because that's what a draft pick requires. You either have to do it or you don't. And if you don't do it, you could get burnt. And you could get burnt if you... Yeah. So I know exactly what you're talking about. We tend to form and we try to coalesce everything we know and we've learned into this very firm opinion while telling people, I can be wrong. (laughs) And that's why we play the dynasty value game. You try to trade back. You try to get value. try to insulate the risks somewhat little bit and Swartz is an interesting case i really only have two years that are worth considering for him and at least he was like at 26 percent at age 19 
Yeah. That's not bad. It's not, you know, it's not that 30% threshold Brodovis is always pushing on us. But it's not bad. So if he gets draft capital because of his 40 time, he might fit into that conversation. Yeah. But I, I haven't actually looked at Swartz too much. Yeah, and that's kind of where I am. I think like he's an example of somebody that I think could sneak into the back end of, of round three just because mm. he's going to wow with that elite level, almost unprecedented type speed for uh, NFL athletes. And so I, I kind of already understand that's going to happen. But I think some people are going to see it happen and freak out, and I'm, I'm going to end up with you know no leagues at all, <laughs> and it's going to be a huge bummer. But do you do me, the similar process for running back, or is it more heavily weighted for you? Because like Etienne is like a, an incredible sprinter as well, right? Yeah. So Etienne, I mean, sorry, yeah. Etienne. Etienne is an incredible sprinter, and, and the thing is, I know he's going to kill it at his pro day, which is coming up on March 11th, like a, a week and change away from from today. And so I know he's going to kill it, and um, uh, he's already, he's been my running back one. He finished – I mean, he checks all the, the production metrics you want to see for running back except for maybe early entry, I guess, when, when we're talking about an early declare, rather, um, right. analytically speaking. I mean, he, the dude just has uh, – even from a, a tape standpoint, he has all the contact balance. He has the speed. He's got the – he's got enough strength. He doesn't, he, he doesn't have Najee Harris' size, but – uh, you know, having, you know, final season, 14% receiving our market share as a running back is just bonkers. Uh, so he has, he's already my running back one, but I think there are going to be wow. some people that come back to that table and say, oh, oh, he, he ran like a four, three, nine at his pro pro day. I, I think I need to take another look and he might move back up into that conversation for a lot more people. Um, well, the Najee Harris hate is just real at Rotoviz, right? No, it's <laughs> you don't like those old guys. Not, just hate Najee no, Harris. It's no, in the books. It's Travis funny. It's like if he's Najee. yeah, if he's <laughs> if he's not my running back one, I hate Najee Harris. That's how that works. Yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> that's similar. Trick. No, um, no, I appreciate that. The real concern with the combine isn't these players who kind of like an Anthony Schwartz or even an Etna. Etna has great production, and athleticism is only a positive thing, right? It's just right. A, Nice tick. It's a good positive for him to have. And NFL teams are going to love these things, and that provides more opportunity, hopefully, yeah. that we'll see with their draft capital. Really, it's a, it's a corollary of Cordero Patterson. If a guy is that much of an athletic freak and can't produce above average, then that's probably an indication that they're not good. Because right. if you are the most athletic guy on every field you've ever stood on and can't do it, that's probably you're just not good, right? right? So, yeah, that's where it really becomes a major issue. Everything else is a discussion between value and who you'd rather have over Anthony Swartz, for example. Like whether it's Amon Ra, who's actually ranked above players right now that I prefer, who I think might get more draft capital. But um, so it breaks down into this value conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll we'll talk about on the other side here just some specific players. We've already, you know, hit on Rashad Bateman, Anthony Schwartz, a little bit of ETN, a few other guys, Jalen Waddle. But talk about some upcoming pro days and what we can expect from some of these players and how that might shape or fit in with who they are as a player and uh, what we can do uh, in upcoming rookie drafts and how we prepare throughout the rest of the season. But but first, a word from our sponsor. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, Please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. All right, so we talked about some of these players, some of the guys that we're really pumped about, some of the guys that are going to be athletic freaks at the pro days, some, you know, with Rashad Bateman, he already has displayed athleticism and he's got the, the perfect profile. And you've already said he's like a top two wide receiver. I think he'll, we could probably break that down a little bit more, but I, I, <laughs> I, I want to get into some of these guys that have upcoming pro days and just uh, what you're doing with them. Uh, how their athleticism might fit in with what you already know and with their production profile. So kicking things off, a super exciting pro day here for you, Peter. Uh, we, we get to see Kansas, <laughs> Kansas football. Oh, wow. <laughs> it kicks off with their pro day, March 5th. That's this week. I mean, just a few days from when we're speaking right now. And uh, really the only interesting guy that they have on their team is Puka Williams Jr. And, and you know, he was incredibly productive in spurts for Kansas, a really bad Kansas football team. There are some people that really like him. Some people think eh, he'd be lucky to get day three capital. The dude is really freaking tiny. Like he's, you know, he might be a 180 pounds like soaking wet. So what are you doing with this guy who's like super tiny like does that really is that a red flag that you just completely pass is that the com- the kind of conversation that you're interested in more so than these athletic numbers they're going to put on, on on the pieces of paper here soon hell no come at me bmi twitter like no I, i'm not sca- <laughs> i like team tiny guy like you're telling me you're gonna not value odo beckham for the first three years of his career at least because he was a little smaller or jarvis landry or DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley, who are both kind of on Team Tiny Guy. Now, all of them cross certain BMI thresholds, but if you notice with the BMI conversation, it continuously gets put back as someone else with a slightly lower BMI does something good in the NFL. So it used to be 27, now it's 26, and eventually one day it might even be 25. It is a concern because there is very likely a correlation to sturdiness and longevity and an ability to get hit by NFL caliber athletes and how thick you are, right? Right. But I don't know that we've proven the relationship. And, you know, someone needs to go talk to Philip Lindsay about size and how easy you break because it doesn't seem to always bear out. We don't know nearly enough about how they're going to take on a load at the NFL level. So it's like 40 time. I don't want to draft um, a running back who runs over a 4'6 because that's 
pretty much never happened apart from Arian Foster. And I don't want to draft an NFL wide receiver with a BMI below 26 because it's never really happened apart from Deshaun Jackson. So, I mean, yeah, it matters, but it doesn't matter nearly as much to me as if they're good. And to me, the definition of if they're good is if they have done good things. And again, when you go and look at players who have been good in the NFL, which I think is the best measure of who is good, like those who've created multiple top 24 fantasy finishes, top 12 fantasy finishes, going to the Hall of Fame. That's how we measure it. (laughs) What they did is produce more than most people did in college. When you look at market share, which is an incredibly simple percentage calculation, you look at yards per team pass attempt. And so... Yeah, that's what I care about more. But, you know, it's not it's definitely not a positive if they're tiny. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. if just cuz they're tiny. But that's um, that's where I, I think, think we can also find ba- value though cuz like I think because yeah. Puka Williams is so tiny, people are just going to see him weigh in, you know, even if he, you know, he eats a few extra donuts the morning of and he weighs in like it, <laughs> you know, five if he's you know, he's actually gets up to 180 flat. At running back, I, I think still people are going to be like, nah, okay, bye. And and I think you'll you'll be able to find just like Philip Lindsay at the very end of rookie drafts in most dynasty fantasy football leagues, uh, like like Philip Lindsay. You know, he he may even barely get drafted or even go undrafted because of his size, but because of you know he had two incredibly productive seasons for Kansas. Puka Williams could be somebody that uh, still sticks around. Like he had a fourteen hundred yard season back in twenty eighteen. For a really bad Kansas team, followed it up with another 1,200 plus yards from scrimmage season on a really bad Kansas team, and he was doing so at a small size, overcoming that uh, and still finding a way to succeed uh, d- despite all evidence to you know that, that said no, there's no way anyone could do what he did. He did it anyway. So I think that there are edges to be found when there are negative results on pro days and people overreact to that as well. But Puka Williams, I mean, that's kind of a deeper fourth tier, fifth tier rookie name, but that's coming up. And so I think we're going to start to see people overreact to the negative stuff here very soon. And then really right after that, we've got March 11th. That's going to be the big one because you've got Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence and and really Amari Rogers, Cornell Powell. I mean, with both of those wide receivers I just mentioned, I mean, they, were, they didn't produce until basically their final season uh, within interesting levels of production. So you're, you're not excited about either of those players, are you, with Amari Rodgers or uh, Cornell Powell? No, not really. They, they just don't look good. They struggled no. in situations where worse NFL players have excelled. I mean, it's not – no. Yeah, they just don't look good. Um Sure. Zach Reed literally calls them the equivalent of a gas station egg roll when you're looking for one of those really good egg rolls. I don't <laughs> quite know what that means. I yeah. can't translate no, that tape analogy. I get but it, it doesn't sound good. No, no, <laughs> it doesn't. But with with quarterback though, with Trevor Lawrence, uh, I I'm, I think back. He's already had his pro day, so he's not gonna he's not gonna. You know, I don't even know what if he's he's gonna do that day because uh, he, he's already kind of had his own special televised workout. Uh, but do you care much about thresholds at that position at all? Or is that just, you know, you you do not care? I have no idea what to do with the quarterback. There, there's a little known secret I end up saying every podcast. Like, I have no idea. I've listened to, I seriously, <laughs> I listen and I grind and I try to listen to tape or analytics. I really don't care which team wins. I just want to be on the winning team. Yes. And, um, like, I've listened to some sophisticated breakdowns of quarterback play over the years and in the past of guys who like really know their stuff on tape and analytics and as far as i can tell 
none of it matters. <laughs> like the best I've got is um, two QBs. Some of my favorite analysts come from two QBs, and obviously the the your website. You want efficiency, and you want efficiency at an early age, but also with decent experience, which is a hard mixture to find. It really, and so that yeah. creates a, a relatively re- small sample of quarterbacks, and then you want top twelve players. You know, I, I mean, everyone that we really love right now is outside that range. Dak Prescott. Um, Aaron Rodgers wasn't a top 12 players. Obviously, Tom Brady wasn't. Um, it matters. With yeah. quarterback, you, just, you essentially have to segment rounds. You can, can't stop looking at it in terms of draft round. You have to look at draft picks. It has a large effect. And, uh, you know, obviously don't draft Mitchell Trubisky. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rule number one, just not that guy. But no, I, I think the only stat I can really throw my shoulder behind is one of those two QB analysts, and his name's Sean Slavin. I really appreciate his work on quarterback, actually, at Slavin22 on Twitter. And um, he created a stat called, what is it, TNEA, which is like an it's NEA, but with rushing taken into account, which nice. is an interesting way of looking at it. I really like his stat. And also, Josh Hermsmeyer produced um, completion percentage over expected or SIPO. Mm-hmm. And I look at those two, and they don't create great ranking lists, but I at least want positive scores in those two stats. And Lawrence and uh, Mac Jones and Fields all have them this year, by the way. So, like, yeah. see what the draft says. That's where I'm at. Quarterback's evaluation seems to be wizardry to me. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, but that's one position where I, when it comes to the pro day, I guess just I, I tune it out because it's just – it just it's a bunch of coach speak and a bunch of uh, empty words in many cases. But for me, right. I've, I've been working on like my own uh, adjusted metric there, just looking at accounting for play action percentage and, and building an, an adjusted yards per pass attempt over expected. Uh, and, and really just trying to look at uh, a, a good look at their actual passing metrics. And, and then I'm going to add some rushing metrics into it as well to try to predict draft capital for nerdy, you know, developmental or Debbie fantasy formats. Because, right. I mean, really, capital is is that's what all and that's all that matters for the most part when it comes to quarterbacks. There's, there are exceptions. Uh, you know, the greatest of all time is an exception to that rule. <laughs> but for the most part, like it, it just you're looking for capital with, with quarterbacks. So like all this, all this stuff, all this uh, hurrah about like, you know, he's six, four and 230 pounds. I don't care. I guess I, I, I don't care. And so, yeah, so yeah, that's where I am with, with that. But uh, March 12th though, the day after that, that combine, we get to a guy who I'm interested in because of how weird of a career he had in college. He's going to be, you know, one of those asterisk guy all the way across the board, like uh, Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma. He, he's somebody who is, uh, you know, he's going to check that transfer box. He's a transfer back. Uh, you know, he's going to look great in a uniform. Yes, he <laughs> That's is. What he, I he's hear, super big yeah. and muscular. And if he actually has a good pro day, there's going to be a bunch of people just drooling over this guy, especially when they look at his last six games. You know, he was suspended uh, for most of this last season, this, uh, this past fall, or about half the season, came out and had like 800 yards from scrimmage or more, I think, in his last six games. Absolutely changed the Oklahoma offense. Uh, at least it looked like he did. So Ramondre Stevenson, <laughs> what what do you do with a running back that, you know, he's he has all this meaningless production before he transfers to Oklahoma? You know, it, it looks like he might be coming on strong late 2019 as the best back on the team. And then he misses half of this last season last fall comes on and has a ridiculously productive six-game stretch and then looks really great in the uniform. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, and, you know, the fact NFL teams are going to 
freaking love that. I mean, that's uh, quintessential NFL, right? Look at that guy. Ooh, he looks good in the uniform. We're going <laughs> to pound him into a line. And it has value. Like, we see replacement backs come in and be good for fantasy all the time. Like, unfortunately, there's a limited ceiling. Like, not everyone can be Derrick Henry. And it took Derrick Henry an inordinate amount of time to become Derrick Henry. Like, most yeah. running backs break out a lot earlier than he did. He's just good. But then we go back to, you know, the things again, I hate to keep mentioning Zach Reed because he's awesome, but also because it feels like I'm just pirating his information at this point. But he was pointing out <laughs> that Derek Henry like had the sixth highest rushing production season ever in the NFL. Not mm. back in the heyday, but in no, 2020. Like it's incredibly impressive. Yeah. And was outscored by Alvin Kamara by 70 points. So uh, <laughs> it was closer to Chris Carson in PP points per game than he was Alvin Kamara. So like, yeah. yeah, receptions, we play in a reception world, whether you like it or not. And so you've got to look for some belief that a player can take on that. Now, if they're going to be NFL players, I can catch a ball. You know, if you give me time to prepare and practice. So yeah. NFL level caliber athletes can definitely catch and they can run routes, but will they be asked to? That depends mostly on whether they did it in college. And yeah, Stevenson wasn't really that guy no. in college. If I think he, he caught less than 30 balls in his entire, yeah. well, his, all his division one days. You know, it, I, it doesn't really matter to me what you did at a Juco school but, uh, production wise. Fair. And yeah, the end result is even if he gets opportunity, you're not going to want to pay a lot for it because it's very limited in terms of his upside. But you don't want to ignore the fact that he could definitely play a role for the NFL. And the NFL, if some GM looks at him and takes him in the third or fourth round to be that, you can't ignore it because it's not a perfect profile in terms of production, but he's built the right way and he was uh, decent in that role. He's got like a 7.7 yards per touch over his yeah. career average. Which he was is incredibly effective, impressive. yes. And, yeah. I mean, part of it is like, is that the scheme? Uh, Oklahoma's had some crazy efficient backs here in, re in recent years as well. Like even right. Kennedy Brooks uh, has looked apart last year. Seth McGowan showed up as a true freshman, was incredibly efficient. It looks like that, that whole situation of, with yeah. Sermon and Brooks and Stevenson, it just makes this all more complicated. Yeah, it's it like, could you just, just have a couple? Okay, guys, pick yeah. one. <laughs> but they, yeah, they, they had like four guys that all could go to the pros one day that like on the same team, same time. But yeah, I, I think for me, I'm gonna. I know that he's gonna have a decent size speed, size speed score. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm kind of already building that into my analysis, expecting that he's probably gonna be one of those guys that sneaks into that fringe round three, four value uh, in, in the NFL draft. So because of, I think in part because of what he's gonna do at his pro day. Uh, but is I this think, a problem of we want the next James Robinson? Like he was yes. in JUCO, he's got one year. Yeah, we, like we, we, we always like want the obviously we right? won the next James Robinson, but like there just isn't. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. and he's like, not that. We but do I, not get that hardly ever, let alone every like it just happened. Yeah, I mean the probability remains the same, but it remains incredibly low. So mm -hmm. let's see what the draft brings. You know, for sure. <laughs> Uh, some other interesting names coming up though for pro days. Isaiah McCoy, I know you like him. Uh, just he's a G five wide receiver. You know, and not everybody comes out of Kent State, and people are super interested. Uh, but right. uh, you know, he was incredibly productive early on. Uh, he he should have a decent pro day. I don't think I don't think he's going to run a four four, uh, but he could get a, a four sub you know a sub four five forty time. I, I might be interested there. I know you've you've done some work on him. He's a an interesting late flyer. 
uh, Josh Immorta, I can I, I stumble over his name every single time. Uh, Immorta Bebe, uh, Josh Immorta Bebe out of Illinois had like a 45 inch vert in high school and they measure it differently in high school. Uh, they measure actually like from the bottom of their feet, like they got to like lock your knees. It's really goofy and it's hard to kind of standardize, but still ridiculous athleticism, probably going to leap out of the building again. So I'm keeping an eye on that. Uh, Demonte Coxie is like 47,000 years old, but uh, he he might be interesting as a wide receiver out of Memphis on March 19th. But the guy I'm really looking for at that pro day is Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, did he actually add weight? Is, is he actually going to be uh, thick enough uh, to kind of answer some questions with BMI? Because, I mean, he had 51, I think, 51 receptions uh, in 2019, had like over 1,500 yards from scrimmage, just an incredibly productive year. And for a really good top of the line G5 school, uh, what are you doing with Kenneth Gainwell and, and where do you have him ranked currently? Thick spelt with a C and another C, by the way, just to, to clarify that. Gainwell, <laughs> I'm really interested in him. Um, and you're right, the pro day might actually be more important than Gainwell. We haven't seen him, like literally, and he's got such yeah. a horrible story. I mean, everyone's had problems over the last year, but like his story is just honestly a tearjerker like if you don't like to get too personal with Gamewell like didn't he lose family members to COVID before he decided not to come back yeah it was yeah and he set out his whole year um and so it's just he he really could show up at his pro day because he's had really a year over a year to to perfect his body and and turn into a professional athlete because he was not necessarily NFL fast he was not necessarily NFL big but he was an incredibly productive, uh, you know, outside zone running artist who could also really catch really catch passes well and be you know slip, split out to the slot and just the usage of uh, from Mike Norvell getting Gainwell the ball all over the place was just incredible. So I I hope he gets some capital because if he lands in, in a right the right spot like with the 49ers or somebody who's really good at getting their running backs in out in space uh, and utilizing them in the passing game. And today's NFL, I, I mean, he could be a, he could be a star. I hear you. Don't get personal. I got it, Travis. Just talk about his production. Well, <laughs> because he, we don't think he was that athletic, in the same way that athleticism without production can be a red flag, athlete, production with perhaps lower athleticism can be a positive because that says something about your ability to produce on the field. Yes. And while he has relatively small sample size because he didn't get to play in 2020, was just a write-off, unfortunately, um, he was incredible... An incredible producer with the opportunities he's got. Like you said, he has a really strong receiving floor. He had a 7.6 yards per touch. I mean, he was great. Now, my concerns actually for Gamewire actually come from a little-known tape grinder called Jake Anderson, who actually just plays golf now, but occasionally <laughs> likes to still weigh in. Now, an unholy merger of Zach Reed and Jake Anderson is basically my first stop um, of trying to get an understanding of how they produced. And Zach... Does a really good job of highlighting the dynamic playmaking ability of someone like Gamewell. He's electric when he's electric, and um, but Jake's pointed out it's fairly inconsistent. When you're not looking at an electric play, you're actually looking at a a subpar can't really do what's asked of him play, and that's weird from uh, a numbers grinder. I get it, but running back's so much more of a team decision teams get to put the running back on the field that they want so it's going to come down to a lot of what the team sees um and you know that that's an that's a necessary red flag Um, in terms of production 
he's my third running back in this class. I absolutely love him, but more context suggests there's actually more problems there. But like you said, he didn't get to play a lot. Some of that stuff yeah. can be ironed out with experience, and he definitely has skills. Um, he's also on Team Tiny Guy, probably. So, yes, he is. Know. Probably, unless something <laughs> changed. But uh, yeah, it's, it's good to know that, I mean, like you can appreciate the production, but also understand the context of that player. Uh, and for me, I am going to be looking at his, his weight because I think it can speak to, did he actually do something with the year that he had to, to prepare for this moment? But you know, we are kind of reading tea leaves at that point, but yeah. I mean, that's what we got. Like, well, yeah, you've been that's up what to we have because we, we missed an entire <laughs> season. So <laughs> exactly. But the NFL is going to be reading those tea leaves too. Yeah. And like you said, draft capital, that predicting matters. It has a purpose. Um, yeah. Especially for running back, it's basically impossible to earn opportunity outside of injury unless a team wants to use you. So they are going to care a lot about this pro day. So I think we should follow suit. Yeah. And that's March 19th. That's Memphis coming up. Then the next week, Alabama and Purdue are on the same day. Obviously we have uh, Najee Harris. We've got Devonte Smith. We've got Jalen Waddle and we've got a bunch of guys to get excited about there that pro day. But I mean, we've been breaking down those guys for a while. There's, there's not really any new information I'm going to care about on that day for Alabama. Uh, but for Purdue, he, the guy that is probably going to blow up more than anybody, and we're going to double count and triple count these numbers for, for you know for him more than anyone, uh, is Rondell Moore. I mean, a guy that when he was 18 years old, before he was even a freshman at Purdue, was already squatting 600 pounds, and he already ran in like a legit sub four four like you know four three ish flat numbers as a high school kid. You know, came out and just exploded with incredible production as a true freshman for my alma mater, Purdue Boilermakers. And now he, he's going to, you know, he's he's had a lot of time to work on getting in even better shape. And, and it's reported he's probably going to be 4'3"-ish and, you know, be sub-4 in, in uh, the shuttle and, you know, like 6.8 and like the, the cone. And, you know, he's going to just, you know, leap out of the building in the vert. So uh, do you care about that at all? Because, I mean, it feels like we already know Rondale Moore might be the best athlete at the position in this class. Nope. No, I, I actually want to want to talk about Rondale Moore. I was just going to say no and leave it hanging, but <laughs> I care about it a little bit, and this is why. He has, like, the best single college season of anyone in this class, last class of the year before. Remember, Justin Jefferson's in that damn class, at yeah. least. His dominator and yards per team pass attempt and all of it at age 18 was basically he'd done what he needed to do yeah, and the injuries are a problem but he <laughs> did what he needed to do in one year it's pretty impressive and yeah. he's going to be a beast nfl teams are going to love what they see when they put that uniform on him they, they're, they're going to get eggplant emojis all over the place and and rightly so the man's incredibly impressive but because I constantly second guess myself and look for reasons just to hate my life, <laughs> that does make me wonder, especially as everyone seems to be coming in on more. The production's there, the tape's there, the combine's definitely going to be there. It's like, unless he falls over somehow, I don't think his, any of his combine numbers are going to look remotely bad. Right. Oh, sorry, pro day numbers, especially yeah. pro day numbers. Yeah. So that makes me wonder, like, part of the reason we think age has. Some signal is because at age 18, you're facing 22 and 23-year-olds who have had experience on the team. The team knows who they are. They've learned the routes. They know the concepts. And they're physically more imposing than most 18-year-olds, no matter how physically imposing those 18-year-old football players actually are. I don't know that applies as strictly to Moore because he was a 
he's a physical freak at 18. Like he would, yeah, he was he pro could throw around the uh, tw- 22 and 23 year olds. No problem. So, I mean, it's not really like, I, it's not really a thing to worry about, but that, it, that thoughts in my head. So I'm sharing it. No, I, I think, think that's good beast. because I think a lot of times because we think these these age 18, 19 guys don't they're not there athletically. But Rondell Moore was. He was probably in better than most twenty two year olds <laughs> athletically speaking yeah. already. Yeah. And so I mean it's just it was unfair. It, and it looked unfair. Like it, and from his first game, his debut game, uh just blowing up. I, I remember it was like a uh, his first like a big ten game, it was Northwestern, I think. And just right. Very first game exploded, and he never looked back. Had a twenty-two hundred all-purpose yard season, and then checks checked every box thereafter. You know, maybe the injuries were concerned, but it was kind of a freak, weird, like hyperextension. And so I, I'm not super concerned, but I'm, I'm also trying to con- contain myself because it's my alma mater. Is like my favorite college player. <laughs> Like, okay, no matter how good his numbers are, I'm not going to just get good here. There's reason to be excited. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's, it's rare for Purdue Boilermakers, but uh, might have a couple in a row here with him and his uh, teammate, David Bell, but we'll see. But March 24th is USC. We've got Amon Ra St. Brown, uh, supposedly say what? Bell looks fantastic. I just happened to see his stats while I was researching more. I was like, who's that guy? (laughs) That is impressive. David Bell. Purdue, you know, coming right after next year for 2022. He's going to be in the wide receiver one conversation next year, most definitely. But uh, but on the 24th, we've got USC. Amon Ross St. Brown. That's going to be big day for him. Uh, shortly after that, Jalen Darden is kind of a, a small school darling of mine that I, I appreciate from North Texas. Uh, I want mm-hmm. to see him kind of, you know, just answer the call and, and show that he does have elite burst and elite speed. Uh, so Jalen Darden, North Texas, March 25th. But your favorite guy that's probably going to have his pro day on March 25th is going to be Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. Uh, but it's probably not going to be for athletic reasons that you're excited about more. But will it help answer some questions uh, for you if he does check some athletic boxes there too on top of his uh, stellar uh, stellar production profile? Uh, yeah, I mean, I am alerted to the fact that Elijah Moore is like king of team tiny guy, apparently. Apparently, he's only like three inches tall from some of the comments yeah. I hear on Twitter. And two, that's going to be a half problem for him. Yeah, you know? it, Maybe yeah. he can run between their legs. But yeah, again, this is just another play. And this is one of the weird ones. Like Bateman has a conference problem. So maybe he was up against easier competition, I guess you could argue. But like Elijah Moore is playing in the SEC West. That's where mm-hmm. like 14% of the draft picks of wide receiver came from from two. The NFL loves this damn conference, but he's outside the top 12, despite being from that conference, being from Old Miss, presumably people are aware of him and being incredibly productive exactly the way you want to be. And again, being small and doing that isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's what what he has, whatever he's made of, he used to do great things in college. And I just think a little, hey, a, a productive player from a really strong conference, there's no concerns like he was up against competition like shouldn't there be some level of excitement about him and yeah. i don't hear any there is for <laughs> I've me been told man. he's overrated which is weird because i don't hear anyone saying any kind of rated yeah and so yeah i'm interested he had like a 45 percent dominator rating at 19 years old that second year and that's a level of dominator rating which will actually make me interested in a player if that's the only thing they do at the end of their career let alone in the middle of it at age 19 it's yeah. like what <laughs> yeah, and then in this final year, I mean, against all SEC competition, grabbing almost 11 touches 
per game like this past year, just insane production. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Really excited about Elijah Moore. And I think he can wow athletically speaking. So I, I uh, in fact, I, I don't think he's going to be two and a half inches tall. I think he's going to be, well, he's definitely going to be taller than Rondell Moore. So uh, I think well, I'm going to need teams to pay attention to him. So yes. I'm, yes. I'm all for a good pro day. Yeah, so let's let's see that happen. But uh, yeah, he's he's a guy I'm just not worried about. I think he's gonna answer at least get some uh, you know average combine numbers and and be a really good NFL slot wide receiver. But he shows he shows ability to be an efficient outside wide receiver too. So I I can't wait to see what he does in the pros. When you say slot, it could be an insult. Are you thinking this it's is not, a it's not a productive it's the, fantasy slot or I think productive a, fantasy slot. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just checking, just checking. Yeah. And then coming up. You think after, he's Travis Landry? Got it. Yeah. I think he's Travis better. Mason. I think he's better. Uh, he might not have the ridiculous, you know, reception streak because that's just hard for anyone to do. But you know, he, I think he's better overall as a player. But, uh, you know, coming up after that, I'm really interested to see. I think people are going to be, uh, you know, there's like a big three at tight end this year with Kyle Pitts, Pat Firemuth, and Brevin Jordan. I think March 26th when Hunter Long runs a 4-5 or 4-5-5 or something as a tight end at 250 pounds, uh, people, you know, their eyebrows are going to perk up on March 26th with Boston College's Pro Day. And that'll be interesting because he was really productive in his final season there uh, as a tight end, really only splitting production with Zay Flowers, who's a, uh, favorite of mine for next year's draft as well. Uh, and then March March 29th, we got North Carolina. Everybody's uh, uh, draft darling, Javante Williams, mine included. And Michael Carter, I think, is going to also wow there. And be, uh, I, yeah, Michael Carter's an interesting name. I like him. He is. And why is he to you? Because, I mean, to me, he played a little bit undersized in, in, in college. He weighed in heavier-ish, I think, at the, his senior bowl. Uh, and he got to 200 pounds, I guess. But what, what intrigues you about Michael, Michael Carter? It's unusual you see two running backs literally split the work, even in the NFL, even if a team has a predilection for it. And that's normally a difficult signal to read because, frankly, we want to see a player dominate the position, especially a position which requires it to be good. And yet, both of them, but specifically Michael Carter, he's got that more of a receiving floor and interesting role set, especially for fantasy with those PPR points we were talking about earlier. And yet, he was still really good in that role as a running back. He's got over mm-hmm. 4,000 yards, 6.8 yards per touch yeah. with an incredible receiving floor. And I just think like that's pretty cool. I think he literally <laughs> comes from Giovanni Bernard's team, by the way. He, yes, he like, does. He, he, he is Giovanni Bernard. Like he's, so, he's I, literally I, a clone of Giovanni Bernard. Uh, yeah, it, that's it, why I like him because I love Giovanni Bernard. There you go. Yeah. Literally, that's actually a thing. I love Giovanni Bernard. Yeah. He's better than Jeremy Hill. There's a reason he's the one that's <laughs> lasted. And screw Cincinnati. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, that's, a, that's a spot on assessment there. There for you, but I I really do still like I like both of them. I think Javante Williams could surprise some and sneak into top four uh, top forty draft capital. Uh, Michael Carter could also be uh, top sixty draft capital. That that dynamic duo was really what carried along with a really good quarterback and a, a wide receiver alike. <laughs> but they really did carry that offense and and just were incredibly efficient consistently game over game. Uh, all the time. I mean, maybe one or two exceptions for each of the running backs in their entire career where they weren't uh, super efficient, but really just a, a stellar duo with Javante Williams and Michael Carter. So March 29th, I don't think that there's going to be any concerns. And I think Javante Williams, uh, people are just going to probably double count there too because he was running around a 4-5 in high school. So I expect him to mm-hmm. kind of 
check another box there with the size size uh, speed score. I have um, to look it up. Is that Sam Howell you're talking about? Yeah, Sam Howell is the quarterback. Plus, he's he's the quarterback. Potential quarterback one, really, for for next year. Oh so wow, he's he's Good that enough. high. It's like him, Spencer Rattler, and then the debate thereafter. But. Uh, yeah, and then March 30th, Louisville with uh, Javian Hawkins, who is probably also on Team Small Guy. This class has, is full <laughs> of Team Small Guy running backs. I think I've actually talked about that before, but full of them. And then Tutu Atwell, who's like probably, uh, you know, he's he's another two and a half inches tall and uh, four and a half pounds, <laughs> you know. But the dude averaged back-to-back seasons. If you exclude, you know, his jet sweep receptions, back-to-back seasons with like 20 yards per reception. So just really incredible. Atwell, did you say... Chaterius or Tutu. He goes by Tutu, but his real name is Chaterius Atwell. Can we say Tutu? Because there are too many names in this class that I just murder, and I hate myself for it. It's my fault. It's not, <laughs> no, it's all it's good. Very yeah, normal name. I just suck at him. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I'm, I don't know what to make of Atwell. Sorry. I, th- no. I know you were breezing past him. No. It, but, it, like, yeah. his production is great, even it if is. it's from the ACC Atlantic. Like, And then, just because I was curious, because some of his – Numbers just looked weird, and he doesn't have a large receiving role or anywhere, but it looked like this big damn field threat, but that didn't add up either. So I did the the cardinal sin of watching a highlight reel. I just wanted, in the <laughs> middle of the night, without being able to DM anyone, I was like, what's going on with this guy? Because he doesn't have a lot of hype either. And this production's decent, but this is weird. And like all I saw, like if you're making highlight clips out there, just an FYI, YouTubers, like, don't include jet sweeps because I've yeah. never been more horrified. It was just jet sweep after jet sweep after yeah. jet sweep. I was like, what the hell is going on? Is this yeah, all but what's funny doing? is it's actually th- th- those plays actually only they accounted for less than 20 percent of his technical receptions. Oh, really? Yeah. Like if you dig it into it and you actually chart it out less than 20 percent like he had, in, oh, wow. in his 2019 season. He had, I think it was around 1,200, or it was, I think it was over 1,200 receiving yards. Uh, but he's still outside of those jet sweep receptions, had over 1,000 receiving yards, and on those receptions, uh, averaged over 20 yards per reception. So, like, he was an incredibly efficient player, but people love those. I mean, I guess people are just addicted to the yak and, like, the, oh, look at this play. Like, it's in motion and it's Tyreek Hill because he's in motion and it's a jet sweep and it looks creative. And so, I don't know what it is, you know, and so it is funny because I've heard people say all he does is jet sweeps and it's because they've watched, they've all watched the same five minute highlight reel where it looks like that's all he does. And that's just not the case. So he he does. good to know because I was scared. Like I think what I wrote down is this is going to be a really interesting player to watch because he's definitely got a skill set of some sort. Like the, the team basically chose to revolve their offense as far as I can tell around whatever the hell he was doing. And uh, like I say, his numbers look good, and I had nothing about him. And then I watched mm-hmm. that highlight clip, which you should never do, by the way, even if you like tape, just never watch them. And just, I was like, just what's don't. going on? <laughs> <laughs> no, for real, because you'll get some kind of uh, false idea uh, of what a player is. Because, I mean, he had like, I think he had almost 80 receptions uh, in that season. And you'd think, oh, man, I just watched him do like uh, at least 50,000 on that highlight reel. <laughs> At least, at least, right? At least fifty thousand. Constant, yeah. <laughs> and weird. and it's and it's funny because like you know twelve hundred and seventy something yards and only two hundred and sixty came on jet sweeps and and you know and he was incredibly efficient outside of it. So yes, he he did a lot of that in twenty nineteen. Uh, the offense struggled as a whole this last year. Malik Cunningham threw more picks, uh, quite a few more picks. But yeah, he's a player I'm definitely in- intrigued by because he's probably going to be in the four threes. 
uh, and that's probably going to lend him some uh, some hands when it comes to draft capital. And uh, so I think if he gets in back end of day two, despite being really scrawny, I think he could be a really solid deep threat. Maybe he's more of a role player and maybe he's more of a best ball play for fantasy football purposes, but I don't care. I I, I really do like what I see from Tutu Atwell. Yeah, I'd love to. I, I, you convinced me. I'm getting on a team Louisville player because, you know, Louisville, we claim Louisville as part of Kentucky whenever we need to. And, uh, you know, yeah. Devontae Parker finally did something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got to get proud. So, yeah. I don't think he's as good a prospect as Parker. And, and that took four years to do anything. So take that for what it's worth. So maybe but it's he's four definitely years now. the most interesting player <laughs> since. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Travis May says he's good. Yeah, I'm writing it down. I, 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 I hear that Lamar Jackson guy is good too, but uh, uh, yeah, he's pretty good. I, I think he's okay, but uh, but yeah, after after Louisville, they, I swear, we, don't you think there's an edge in fantasy? Just remembering who's good, like I Michael think so. Thomas is dropping you know so far right now. Just remember that my, they don't stop being good. Yes, <laughs> that's my that that's my whole, good players only. Uh, you know, yeah. that's that's yeah, that's that's a good rule to follow. But and then shortly after that, just round it out here. We've got Ohio State all the way up, you know, from March 30th, same day as Louisville. March 31st, we've got Florida. So we can, uh, you know, have everyone ooh and ah over Kadarius Tony doing some useless spin move in a route for no reason. <laughs> and then March uh, 31st, uh, same day, LSU. Uh, so that you can hate on Terrace Marshall. And then on April 1st, uh, we get to Gotta see uh, Chuba, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, run his borderline Canadian uh, Olympic team type, type speed. Uh, hopefully uh, he, he fixes a little bit people. Um, it, the perception of him, is, it's just dropped way off. It really has. And I, I just want to throw my two cents in there. Like, it's crazy. Like, I think he's very decent player. And like yeah. you say, he's kind of run incredibly fast. Yeah. You know, teams, it's, it's weird. It's just like last year we were excited and now he's coming out and everyone's like, meh. Yeah bored of that now (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) but uh, i'm still a believer in him and tylen wallace guys that uh, i think uh, most most are not talking about but i think they could be after their april one pro day but i think you you summed it up again good name yeah tylen wallace just i mean constantly in the the conversation for best wide receiver in the country when he's fully healthy so uh definitely intrigued by all those players, but there, there's so much more rookie stuff to talk about, and, and we will get to it on the College Canton podcast down the stretch here, and actually uh, up here soon. Just before we wrap things up here, I am going to be putting together a pro day piece uh, for Rotoviz here soon that uh, will outline the upcoming pro days when they are play interesting players that should do what on their pro days, and then updating that doc. Uh, throughout the coming weeks as these pro days happen because we normally have you know like the nfl combine and we can have like one reaction piece to all this information but it will be updated as we go throughout from the kansas pro day to the clemson one all the way through into april with some of these later pro days and and interesting notes uh, that get added so be looking for that on rotoviz from myself here we'll probably try to loop it back around to the front page again when there are significant pro day updates so be looking for that soon here too uh, but uh, remind listeners before we just sign off here where they can find you and where they can find all your content. Oh, we're not going to talk about it. Or, uh, fine, I'll go. Fine, Travis. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, you can find me on Twitter in them Twitter streets all day, every day. Basically, I have, <laughs> I've got to, I've got to get a life. But uh, no, at yeah. PA Howdy is the easiest place to find me. Uh, the link to that database, um, which you know is nothing compared to the Rotoviz stats, but I'm trying my best, and I have got it linked up to NFL stats through Rotoviz actually. So cheers, Travis, appreciate that. Yeah, man. And um, it's literally pinned to my Twitter timeline and just click click clickety click click through and it's free if you want to just go look at some rookie stats yeah and yeah dynasty league football wh- where the loyal people stay never gonna let me go uh, but uh, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just come back now and do some kind of featured piece so you can leave, leave me alone if you or something but that's really the only reason i'm here i'm yeah. like i'll bring it back guys don't worry i'll just keep making fun of it uh, yeah <laughs> Well, I really enjoy you uh, hopping in, uh, just talking about some uh, some combine and, and well, see there I did it too. But pro day results <laughs> upcoming and uh, how much we should or should not care about it, and uh, also some other fun metrics and, and uh, just rookie talk in general. It's always always a blast. But listeners, please do leave a rate and review, leave a question in the review. I'd be glad to get to get it on the show. You can find me on Twitter at ff underscore travis m. But until next time, you guys take care. But I look forward to seeing you guys next time on another College to Canton podcast.